If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything from a very intriguing fight night tomorrow night as the Dominator is back in there. Arguably one of the best bantamweights ever against Marlon Vera. He finds himself as a big underdog. Lou Finicaro, Jordan Sherwood, Reed Kuhn, and Kevin Ioli are going to help break it down here for the next hour on First Strike. So without further ado, let's bring in the man. You can find him on Twitter at Gamble. He is Lou Finicaro and the host of The Bout business podcast. Luke, great to see you, my friend. You and I had the pleasure of talking on Tuesday on First Strike, First Look. Here we are three days later, a day before we get to this big card. I know you really like this card. It's pretty deep and sneaky good. What have you made of the movement so far? It really hasn't been a ton of movement, but it looks like if any money's come in, it's come in a little bit on the favorite Marlon Vera in this main event. It has. Uh, I think we could have probably expected a a slight amount of uh, accrual to him uh, based on age alone, based on the fact that he holds the record for Bantamweight finishes uh, with a fraction of the amount of fights that Cruz has been in. But they're dynamically different talents. And if Cruz is going to win, he's going to do it by beguiling him, getting him frustrated, using his legs and uh, deft uh, movement abilities to make Vera miss and maybe make a mistake. And I think that's somewhat of a long shot for a guy at 37 years old, but it's surely interesting. Uh, the stylistic matchup. It's also, yeah, I think you got to give Dom Cruz a lot of credit because he's got a lot of fortitude stepping in there with this killer. No doubt about it. And Lou, I'm trying to, as we like to do here on first strike is find pathways, depending on which side you might like in the fight. And when I try to find the pathway for Dominic Cruz, it is what you mentioned there. And we talked about a little bit on Tuesday. He's got to use his knowledge, his brain a little bit, and kind of stay in and out against Marlon Vera. But Marlon Vera, even in that prospect, has a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. So while we assume Vera would like this fight to go down to the ground, he actually has the longer reach. Is there any way that this stays a chess match on the feet and gives the Dominator a chance here? The Dominator is banking on that, I, I assure you. I don't, I mean, as good as... Cruz's wrestling is. I don't think he has any aspirations of taking the bigger man down. I think he has aspirations of trying to tire him out to a to a degree. Or we know Vera starts real slow, and that's been a critique of his since the Yadong fight. 
And so if Cruz comes out and steps on the gas and can bank two early rounds, all bets are off. So there's a lot of intrigue in this fight, and there's a path for Cruz to win. I just think that the age difference is going to come in at 135 pounds, way more so than it would at 265 pounds. I look at the total as well, Lou, and you see four and a half there, juiced heavily to the over, minus $1.80. But if you look here, the fight just to go the distance, minus 190, instead of playing the $1.80, would you not play the extra 10 cents just in case Dominic Cruz could get an upset win on the scorecards? I don't. Uh, if that's how you believe, then I would encourage you to go that way. I, I happen to go the other way. I think that you go under. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that if it's Vera's fight and he's the favorite, I think he has a shot of taking Cruz out. Cruz has been finished recently. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's not the same Dominic Cruz that we've seen in years past when he was up there as one of the greatest bantamweights of all time. Yeah, I just don't see a scenario where the dominator could get a finish in this one. If it's going to be a finish, it would be the side of a Chito Marlon Vera. That is for sure. I know that you do like this card because it is very deep. David Onama is a guy who feels like he's a fast tracker here, and he's got a big price tag now associated against uh, Nate Landwehr here. Is this a little bit too much too soon, though, for Anama with this big $3 price tag? Uh, we're going to find out. You know, I saw him wearing a little bit of bling. He's from he's a Midwest guy, actually, from Omaha. His family's from Omaha. He fights with James Krause in Kansas City. Uh, we'll have to see how he manages all of this because he's in with a scrapper. The problem is, is that the scrapper has been touched early a couple of occasions, and he's gone out, and Onama just has lightning in each hand. So if the Landwehr can manage to be Forrest Gump and run in circles for five <laughs> minutes and get this fight to the second round, I think he has a chance at uh, being not only very competitive, but throwing an upset. I think Onama's prone to maybe gassing early. Uh, we'll have to see if Landwehr can weather the storm. Well, I like where your head's at there, Lou. And to that end, about if Landwehr can survive the over there one and a half rounds, it's juiced, minus $1.15. But look at the, the plus money you could get that this fight goes all three rounds at plus $1.65. Is that a nibble potentially that you might bite on? Yeah, I think what I'd rather do, Dave, is get greedy and just hold off and watch that minus 115 on the one and a half get to plus 100, then I jump. Yeah, every way you can maximize that dollar, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. I know that on Tuesday we talked about Devin Clark here, uh, his fight against Azamat uh, Merzikhanov here, and uh, apparently they had a bit of a run-in this week, Lou. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, and Devin said, after that encounter, I know he wants to take my head off, but he didn't seem scared by that prospect here. So what do you make of this very intriguing fight with a relatively close line here? Yeah, it is relatively close. It's actually uh, back to where it started, minus 145 for the Russian and plus 125. Midweek, it percolated up, and actually, uh, you could have had Devin Clark at plus 145. Anyway, uh, the fact that he's a dog now still represents value, in my opinion, based on the fact that the Russian, and I'm only calling him a Russian because I don't want to butcher his last name, I'll do respect to Osmot. Uh, but the bottom line is this is his second UFC fight, and in his first, he was in against nominal talent and had to work hard to win. Meanwhile, Devin Clark arrives with momentum. Uh, he's He's got 
to tremendous UFC experience on his opponent as well as he's been in with much better. You add to that the fact that he's been training with Blades and Usman and Gaethje at Team Elevation for an eight-week camp. He left comfort, went to work hard. To me, I know that we're going to get the best Evan Clark we can get on Saturday, and for that reason, that's good enough for me to use him as an underdog. And again, you see the plus money. If you think it's going to go over two and a half rounds, plus a dollar five. If you think it goes the distance, it's even juicier, plus a dollar thirty. Is this a stoppage situation here? Or do you think he could win this? Clark could uh, with the upset on points, and if he does that, win by decisions, plus two seventy-five for the underdog. Yeah, I think either man can finish this. I would lean to this fight not going the distance. All right, so don't get seduced by the juice on that one, so says Lou Finacaro. Uh Let's talk a little bit about Priscilla Cachuera against uh, Ariana Lipsky here. Great nicknames here with, with Zombie Girl against uh, the Queen of Violence in Lipsky. But this is so intriguing. We talked about it Tuesday. This was a fight that was supposed to be made last week. Lipsky didn't make weight, and then the fight was officially called off. And I do not know if she has to give up part of her purse in this fight, because it would seem to be unfair if one woman, Cachuera, was ready to go a week ago and Lipsky was not. And now a week later, the price tag on the Queen of Violence has gone up. She's now minus $1.90. What are you making these change of numbers here in the last week? I'm not quite sure what to make of them, except that the marketplace values Lipsky with rest. But let's not forget, a week ago, she missed weight and the fight was called off. So it was her that, uh, or she, that overcame whatever it was she had to overcome to get here. Now, this isn't a 125-pound fight anymore. It's 135-pound fight. So she stepped on the scale right away, made weight. Good for her. Looks good. Bottom line is, Keshuera got on the scale and looked like Mike Tyson. I'm, she is filled out, and she's a wild, junkyard dog, mean gal. And I think she's wearing it that this fight's gotten pushed and everybody's trying to pamper Lipsky. Uh, Lipsky is a Muay Thai specialist that's dr- straight, direct, more precise, much more the skilled, refined mixed martial artist than Cachoeira, no doubt about it. Cachoeira is a brick-laying junkyard dog, and I think she's the more desperate gal. Both gals, three and four in the UFC, they're fighting to remain. I love the position on Cachoeira. I also like the Cachoeira inside the distance for a little sprinkle at plus 500. Wow, I love that win by finish there, five to one. And again, two of the top five nicknames, I think, was Zombie Girl against the Queen of Violence. Bruno Silva, uh, Gerald Mearshart, uh, this is an interesting matchup here with Gerald plus 240 in this matchup against Silva. Is this appropriately priced or is there value on the dog here? Well, I think there's some value on the underdog here. It's a great, again, great stylistic matchup. All you did, you saw to Bruno Silva was him go in against Alex Pereira, who's going to fight now uh, Izzy Adesanya in the last fight, undaunted, unafraid, and fought him tooth and nail. I mean, in that loss, all I do is gain more respect for Bruno Silva. But Bruno Silva is primarily a striker. Mearshart is... Still improving his striking, but in his last fight against Jacko, he went to decision. So he's we can see that improvement, but in no way, shape, or form is he designing to stand and trade with Bruno Silva. He needs to get the wet mot around him, get him into the fence, get him down to the floor, and try and submit him. Listen, Mearshart's a submission specialist, and five of Bruno Silva's seven losses have been by submission. 
Lou, uh, before we wrap it up here, there is a rumor going around that you got Funkadelic last night and saw George Clinton in concert. Uh, when you're not breaking down MMA fights, uh, what was the concert like? The concert was outstanding. There were a couple of good bands beforehand, but George Clinton, 81 years old, he's got 20 people on stage with him. Every one of them, an unbelievable musician. You had trombones, drums, bongos, electric guitar. It was outstanding. I don't do it very often because the old saddle body can't take it much <laughs> like that anymore, but I got through it and we got through this. So uh, I sure appreciate you guys having me on. I wish everybody have a great uh, experience with the fights tomorrow. Uh, absolutely love it, Lou. As always, love having you on the network and certainly on First Strike each and every week. There he is, everybody. Follow him on Twitter at Gamblu and check out the podcast, The Bout Business Pod. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood joins us from the great city of Chicago. Come on back. It's First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for all MMA events. Eligibility restrictions to apply, so see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for the full terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike, I am Dave Ross, joined by Jordan Sherwood out of the great city of Chicago. Follow him on Twitter as I do. At Wood on 1063. Jordan, always great to catch up with you. We're not going to talk any White Sox on this pod because oh, I know it's been depressing please. there. But I know that uh, your pod is, is booming there in Chicago. Uh, I know it still doesn't have a name, but tell the people about it and how they can access it very quickly. Yeah, on the ESPN Chicago app, it's called the Unnamed MMA Podcast. Myself and Adam Abdallah, 
every single week, break down the UFC fights. We give you our selections, who we think is going to win the fight, maybe some special props that are out there. Chicago theme, we like to have some uh, Chicago-based you know, fighters mm-hmm. on the cards. We did have Juliana Pena two weeks ago before her fight with Amanda Nunez. Hope to talk to Bilal Muhammad before his big fight against Sean Brady coming up later this year. So Chicago themed as always. And maybe we've got to have Patty to Batty because he's doing the Chicago tour right now, eating all the food, getting fat. So yeah. we'll see. And, we, know. and as you mentioned on Twitter, he did that shot him award. Anybody in Chicago, you it's a rite of passage. It's not fun. And he didn't seem to handle it very, very well. Neither did the meatball Molly McCann. Uh, let's get to this fight card here, Jordan. Let's talk about some of the fights that I know that you like on here. I, I mentioned uh, with Lou in the first segment here, Devin Clark, he basically said he had a run-in with Azamat uh, Mirzakhanov this week and said basically he, he wants to kill me. So uh, he didn't seem daunted by it. But what do you make of Devin Clark in this spot here, nonchalantly saying that there's some bad blood between these two? Yeah, I think uh, me and uh, Gamalou are on opposite ends of this. Uh, I think Marazakanov is a very special fighter. The UFC's had uh, their their eyes on him for quite a while. He's had several fights that have been canceled. Very well-rounded, obviously going to have a good background in wrestling. Uh, flashed an impressive knockout after a lethargic probably two and a half rounds in his UFC debut. And look, Devin Clark is a grinder. His wrestling probably is going to test. Marazakanov, this is the best wrestler that Marazakanov has ever seen. But what have we seen about Devin Clark? The moment that he gets touched, the moment things get a little bit physical from the striking standpoint, he goes into hibernation or his lights go out. And I think we we underrate how explosive, even though it was a flying knee knockout that Marazakanov had in his UFC debut, just how kind of you know special from a striking standpoint he is. So I love him right now on the money line of a dollar seventy, dollar sixty-five. I think that the wrestling is going to cancel each other out. He's going to be able to handle the grind, handle the Devin Clark style of fight, and at some point in it, touch Devin Clark in the chin and put his lights out. So I think he wins the fight, and likely he also wins it inside the distance. Well, you just answered my next question because I see that juicy plus $1.30 for the fight to go to the distance for two guys that like to get on the ground and grapple. But you mentioned there, Merzikhanov might just go ahead and get that KOTK or DQ so you could turn that negative, that minus, into a plus, plus $1.40. Would you lean that way if you think he's going to get the finish that way instead of maybe potentially going for a sub or riding out a decision victory? Yeah, I look, I think Marazakanov is frustrated, not just in Devin Clark, just his inability to get a fight. I mean, it was his opponents that canceled the fights when he was trying to make his UFC debut. So he's on borrowed time, even though he's relatively young. He's an undefeated fighter, again, that the UFC had had, had their eyes on for quite some time. And look, I think I think you play the, the total based on who you think is going to win the fight. If you like the over, well, then obviously you think Devin Clark's going to grind out a fight get the win uh, in the later rounds or get his hand risen uh, by the judges scorecards. If you like the under, like me, you're on Marissa Khanna, who's going to get a finish at some point in the fight. Well, we saw last week an, an historic uh, week of fights where I believe all 11 fights were stopped. We didn't have one go to the cards, which I know was going to make the boss man, Dana White, very happy. You've identified another fight here, Josh Quinlan against Jason Witt, that maybe this one, too, will not hit the cards. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And actually, well, it's supposed to be last week. So it would have been number, what, 12, or 12 or, yeah. that, that I thought actually hit. I, I just think that, that, again, Josh Quinlan, another undefeated fighter, explosive. It wasn't a weigh-in issue that prevented this fight from happening a week ago. It was a, a drug test, some metabolites within Quinlan's system that didn't get him regulated. Well, now he is. He fights Jason Witt. And what we've seen about Jason Witt, if you get off to a fast start and you're able to touch the chin of Jason Witt, 
his lights do go out. And I think Josh Quinlan does do that. I think he's explosive enough to overwhelm Jason Witt. Uh, you know, this is a catchweight fight, so, so maybe there's a little bit of mythology about Jason Witt's going to be able to survive with that extra weight and utilize his wrestling. But, but I'm not on that. I, I think there's a quick finish in this fight. Josh Quinlan is special. Jason Witt's likely on his way out of the UFC. So I think Quinlan wins, wins, as I always tell you, Dave, he wins violently at some point in the first, uh, you know, minute, uh, or excuse me, first round, round and a half of this fight. You know, I, I want to stay in this theme of finishes here because I, I see one fight that you've identified where you could turn a, you know, got to lay almost, what, $3.50, $3.30 right now on Gabriel Benitez against Charlie Oliveira, uh, Ontiveros. Ontiveros right now, plus two seventy five. But you don't want to lay the three thirty. You've got a scenario to turn that into a huge plus price tag to nine to one Tell yeah. the people what you think might happen here with Benitez. Yeah, yeah, I think Gabriel Benitez, you know, again, up and down career, certainly in the UFC. You know, he's, he's got a kind of a gatekeeper for the UFC, but he's got a very good guillotine. He's got a good, very good wrestling base. And Altavares, for some reason, thinks the style of fighting of putting your hands down and going into fire is 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 the right way to approach it. And, and it's just not. So I, what, what I think is Benitez is going to give him that fight. They're going to go into a phone booth. There's going to be fire. And then at some point, Benitez is going to land one and then not finish the fight via PKO, but he's going to look to grab a neck and get a quick submission. We've seen Benitez do that before. Uh, so I, I like that scenario. And at 9-1, to one, you're right, 330, too much, too big of a price for Benitez on uh, a straight money line. So let's get cute. Let's get stylistic. Benitez, uh, you know, to win via submission at nine to one. I think those are very astute ways to uh, turn. Possibly, uh, you know, you, you lay three thirty, the upset happens, and your whole night card it could be ruined. Instead, play the nine to one in the prop scenario, and really can turn that into a very profitable evening if that comes through uh, as a long shot. But I like the I like the idea there of the possibility of turning the big negative into a big positive. I want to stay with that theme as well, where possibly you might get a stoppage in the co-main event of the evening. We talked a little bit about. David Onama. He feels like a rising star here in the UFC, but Nate Landwehr is not going to be an easy out, but you do think somebody might get finished here before we get to two and a half rounds. I, I, I do. I mean, I'm also high on David Onama. I think the UFC put him in this, in the spotlight to, to showcase his striking. I mean, he is enormous for this featherweight division and he hits like a ton of bricks. Nate Landwehr has been stopped in his two losses in the UFC by Herbert Burns and Julian Arosa. Now, granted, Nate Landwehr looked fantastic against Ludwig Klein, a guy that we have a lot of respect for on this show, mm -hmm. his last time out. So I really think it's going to be an early finish for David Onama, kind of, uh, you know, like we just talked about with the with the Devin uh, Clark fight, you know, first round, round and a half, he's going to land something and Landwehr's lights are going to out, or Onama's going to tire because he's carrying so much weight through the division that Nate Landwehr's going to be able to utilize his wrestling, his grappling and get a stoppage midway of the fight. But I, I think Onama, this is his spotlight. There's a reason why they put him in this in this position at the co-main event. They think he's going to get an impressive knockout, and I and I expect that's going to happen. He's going to knock out late Landwehr in the first round, round and a half. Jordan, you know me by now. I'm a sucker for the old guys and, and the old ladies in, in fighting here. I like to root for the fighters we've seen for years. Dominic Cruz certainly fits that bill. They always say a great fighter has one great fight left in him. Does Dominic Cruz have one great fight left in him, or are we passing the torch here possibly to Cheeto Vera? 
Can it be both? Yeah. Look, I, I have so much respect for Dave, for Dominic Cruz. I was in the arena when he won the WC Bantamweight title wow. in Columbus at WC 47. Yeah. And actually took some photos with him in the post bar afterwards. But that's beside the point. Look, I just think that Marlon Vera is certainly on the come up. His last two fights, the fights against Jose Aldo and the fight against Frankie Edgar, where he had an impressive front kick knockout, have prepared him for a fight like this that's going to be mainly contested on the feet. He's going to have to pressure, which is suitable for Marlon Vera. He's going to have to land some significant strikes and land some leg kicks, which will cause some problems for Dominic Cruz. If this was five years ago, uh, Dominic Cruz with his movement, his footwork, some of the best we've ever seen, Dominic Cruz all day. He's a tad bit slower at 36 years of age. So I think Marlon Vera does enough, but on the judge's scorecard, not the prolific finisher that we know Marlon Vera to be. We're going to the judges' scorecards, the over, but Marlon Vera is going to get his hand raised. I think he's just going to outpoint, outwork, and re- really have the more physical strikes, significant strikes in this fight to warrant him getting the, his hand raised on the judges' scorecard. Uh, we got about 30 seconds to go here. You do think this goes over four and a half rounds right now. Uh, it's still juiced heavily at minus $1.80. Is there another way that you might play it, or do you think this does go to decision? And if you think Cruz somehow gets an upset minus $1.90, does that safeguard you in case we get some quirky scoring? Yeah, yeah, that could be. I mean, I like I like Marlon Vera plus money as as uh, to win via decision. I safeguard myself just to go the over at three and a half. In case, you know, Marlon Vera lands something at, you know, in the latter stages of the round. But I think we're going full five. And I think Marlon Vera is going to move on and get another big opportunity his next fight out. I think you're I think you're right on. I, I like the tendency to here to, to go towards the over as we're Jordan, always appreciate the time. Enjoy Chicago. Don't talk about the White Sox. We'll talk more MMA next week right, right back here on First Strike. When we come back, Kevin Ioli joins the program. It is First Strike on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
more betting insights to give you an edge, we'll check out VEASAN's Best Bets podcast. You can listen to daily sports betting highlights from the entire 24-7 stream of VEASAN experts tracking line moves, odds, props, wins, losses, bad beats from sportsbooks in Vegas and across the entire country. So download the VEASAN Best Bets podcast now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross back here on VEASAN on First Strike. Always a pleasure to have Kevin Ioli back in the program. Does a great job covering combat sports for Yahoo Sports. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Kevin I. I see that yellow shirt. I'm assuming that is a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. Mom will be disappointed that you don't go to West Virginia in a neighboring Wheeling, West Virginia, just about an hour away. But Kevin, great to have you on, my friend. Let's talk about some of the ladies' action that we see on this card. And I want to start off with, with uh, Ariana Lipsky against uh, Priscilla Cachoeira here because this is a fight that was supposed to happen a week ago. Ariana does not make the weight. Then the fight is officially scrapped, postponed till this week. In that week, the numbers have gone up. Now the Queen of Violence is up a size $1.90 I'm seeing here. When about a week ago, maybe you could have got it around $1.60. What's changed, if anything, to you in the handicap of this fight? And I kind of look at it from Cachoeira's point of like, man, I made weight last week. And now we kind of had to acquiesce to Ariana Lipsky. Does that factor in at all this week later, uh, putting it off for a week? I, I think a little bit. But, you know, the thing is they they did have plenty of time to rehydrate and kind of get back. But, you know, uh, for fighters who have trouble making weight, that can be an issue, right? Um, you know, to have to cut weight two times in, in one week. But they do it on practice cuts and all that. So I think they're used to it. So you know, as far as I, I feel, Dave, I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact here. But it's, we're in a fight with two fighters who really need to win. You know, they're fighters that both had a lot of promise when they came to the UFC. And they've kind of had ups and down careers. And I think, you know, they're both sitting there looking at, hey, a win would do them a lot of good for being able to continue as a UFC fighter. Yeah. And so when you you look at this year and we don't want to say that the loser is going to be out of the UFC, but they are feeling that pressure here of potentially knowing it could be coming to an end. Does that favor the brave here in Cachoeira, maybe more of the wild style fighter and she's going to try to put on a show? Or do you think Lipsky maybe can grind her out a little bit and go towards a decision victory right now? If you think the fight does go the distance, it's minus $1.50. Yeah, I, I think it goes the distance, number one. You know, let, let's start with that. I think that, you know, neither of these girls is going to finish the other, right? So I'll, I'll start that way. I think we're going the distance. And, you know, and I, I lean, um, or I, I like uh, um, the queen of violence, Ariana Lipsky here. And I think she she's just a better overall fighter. She has more tools. Now, she has not performed to the level that, in the UFC that we've seen her perform outside the UFC. I don't know if she's not dealing with the pressure very well or what it is, but you know, there's fights that you expect her to win. They expect her, her to look good in, and she has not done that, but she is really looking down the barrel of being cut. Let's be totally honest here. She loses this fight and and this could be it for her UFC career. She has all the tools she needs to win this fight. I, I think she'll pull it out. That it really is interesting. And the women know that both these ladies here want to stay and get yeah. another contract in the UFC. So there will be pressure to put on a show and, and possibly get that win. But I'm with you on that with Lipsky. Maybe the week off is going to do her some good. Overkill Hill is back in here. Whenever Angela fights, it's normally exciting one way or the other against Lupe Godinez here. And Lupe is minus 325. What do you make of that matchup? I know when you look at a veteran like Angela Hill, people might gravitate towards that plus 270 price tag here do you think there is a live dog scenario at play i do not i really like kadena's you know i think her wrestling 
is fantastic. I mean, she's really in good condition. I think I have her in my personal pound for pound list of the uh, best UFC women. I, I think that's how good she is. I mean, I think she's really uh, starting to take off. And I think she is really going to have a big time with Hill. You know, I think she'll uh, uh, take her down a lot. Uh, I could see her finishing, but I think it goes to a decision. So I, I like um, Godinez in this bout by decision. And that's the way you can get a better price tag on this if you don't want to lay the 325. Uh, with uh, Lupe here in this fight if the fight does go to the decision. And look, a lot of the women's fights tend to go to the cards, although last week we saw all 11 fights uh, be finished. That. that way, look at that. You win by by decision here. You cut that uh, more than half, minus $1.50. So you think that's the better way to get a value play on Lupe in this fight? I really do, because I think, you know, she is going to wrestle Angela. You know, Angela, um, you know, likes to tend to strike and whatnot. Um, but I think if she uh, and if she does, she's not a finisher herself. Right. And I think at some point that wrestling uh, ability that Loopy has is going to kick in and she's going to put uh, Angela on her back. And Angela, as you said in the uh, uh, intro to this fight, you know, she's a veteran. She knows what she's doing. Um, she's able to get herself out of tough spots. So I don't think that Loopy finishes her, but I think you'll see her really beat her up pretty bad, have her on the ground, have a lot of control time. And so to me, like I look in, you know, Loopy's not a finisher uh, from a striking standpoint uh i don't think angela is going to finish her but i think that really just makes you gravitate toward loopy by decision because you go hey i don't want to lay that kind of money uh on uh on loopy to win when i don't think she's going to be a finisher so i i like uh, her by decision yeah bang for the buck there if you like the favorite that's a good way to uh, lower that price tag on the big favorite in that one let's get to the main event here and kevin you and i have watched enough boxing through the years here you got the old matador versus the bull scenario here is what it feels like with dominic cruz again against Cheeto Vera, you know Marlon wants to come forward and he's going to want to try to get this fight down on the ground and slow down Dominic Cruz and all that movement. You start getting up there in age at 37 and sometimes you lose a step. How do you see this playing out? And do you think Dominic Cruz still has the skill set to frustrate a veteran in his own right at 29 now in Marlon Vera? Yeah, you know, I, I look at Cruz and like he fought twice in 2021. You know, one of them he kind of struggled with Casey Kenny, a fight that I thought he should have been able to win. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, it was the first time in five years that he's fought twice in one year. And I think that's going to be huge for Cruz. Everybody I know, everybody and their brother is on, is on uh, Marlon Vera. And I like Cruz, right? <laughs> and I just think that that footwork, that in and out style, uh, it's going to frustrate uh, um, uh, Cheeto. And and I think you know Cheeto certainly has every tool he needs to win this fight, and he has it to win impressively. Like what he did to Rob Font was really amazing. Rob Font's a badass guy, and Cheeto Vera just pummeled him and really put him out. But I think Dominic is a different kettle of fish, right? And Dominic's a smart guy, and and he knows how how to uh, work guys like this that are big strikers um i could be way wrong here but i'm gonna go ahead and take the plus and uh, i like uh, dominic cruz to win at plus 200 you know i, I look at this too and obviously with the fight being in san diego i'll be very interested to see how the crowd reacts but you know how this works sometimes with the big underdog now and arguably one of the greatest bantamweights of all time and dominic cruz he gets that crowd behind him he frustrates vera in the first couple rounds not going to compare this to, say, Hagler Leonard of 87, where a lot of people don't think Sugar Ray won that fight, but he frustrated the, the, the Matador in that situation, or the Bull in that situation, in, in, uh, in Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Could you see that, where he frustrates Vera, because Vera just can't get to of him? Course. 
Now, you know, Vera has a good coach in Jason Perillo, who, who's a boxing background, and I think he's going to be able to talk to him about it. But, like, you think of that uh, Leonard Hagler fight, and, and what did Ray do? He got Marvin fighting right-handed. Mm-hmm. Totally out of what he normally did. Marvin was a southpaw, rarely fought right-handed, and 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 he went into that fight against Ray, and he ends up, you know, because he wasn't sure of himself, you know, he went ahead and, and he fought right-handed a lot of times, and that played into Ray's hands. I think Dominic is similar in that sense, in that you know he is such a smart fighter, and you're always trying to think, okay, what's Cruz trying to do here, you know, because he's he's so slick and has so much uh, going on. You know, I I could be totally wrong, and Vera's physicality could just you know blow Cruz out of the water but i don't think you often see Cruz blown out of the water and i think in the situation that he's in right now um i i like him to win this i think it's uh you know he can't afford to make any mistakes you know he's walking that tightrope but i think he can get across the canyon and, and get to the decision victory and that's what i'm leaning towards as well i know it's juiced heavily right now minus a dollar 84 and a half rounds but i do kind of like that overplay for those reasons, yes, Cruz has been finished more recently here, but he's still tough to get out of there if Vera can't get those takedowns, which is what he would need, you would think, to get one of those subs, possibly. I'm surprised that it's 7-1 to for a sub for Vera and 3-1 to for the KOTK or DQ. I know Vera's got the longer arms, but if you went the other way of the big favorite, wouldn't you see submission more than a KOTKO if this fight was going to end early? I, I don't know. I, I would disagree with that, Dave. You know, I, I think this is a fight. If Marlon wins it, you know, he's going to win it by by overpowering Dom, right? And, uh, you know, he's a big, strong bantamweight. He's a guy that can hang in there with my And Dom's not that, even though Dom has fought in his career at 155, this is the right weight class for Dom, right? He makes his weight easily. He's not a big, thick guy. And Marlon hits really hard. So I, I think if I, if I was going to play... Vera, you know, I, instead of submission, I would I would go ahead with the uh, finish. All right, since we we only have about thirty seconds to go, Kevin, but since we got on the boxing tangent there, I'm excited for the September seventeenth bout between Canelo and Triple G. Here, they're going to get back in there. I look up, I see Canelo's minus four fifty. Is that priced right? It's you know, Gennady is forty years old right now, <laughs> and he it, it looked bad against Morata. You know, he won the fight by knockout, but the first four or five rounds didn't look good. I think it's going to be a more compelling fight than people think. But I I think Canelo is deservedly a big favorite. This is why he does a great job covering combat sports for Yahoo Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Kevin I. Kevin Ioli always appreciated, even if I don't like the Steelers. <laughs> I love him, baby. Here we go. <laughs> Come on back, Reed Coon joins us from Washington D.C. It is first strike on Visa in the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We roll on first strike here on VEASAN. Dave Ross, and it is a pleasure to be joined each and every week by Reed Kuhn. Follow him at Fightnomics on Twitter. He's the author of a book of the same name. Reed, great to have you back in the program. I know last weekend you weren't as attentive to the fights because you were out of the country. How was vacay? Vacay was good. It was sweaty being in the Caribbean in August, but there were no hurricanes. So you always roll the dice that way. So I got back just fine. Oh, perfect. Good to have you back, back in Washington, D.C. Let's talk about this fight card here. And one fight that I know that you've already looked at here, and we always mention this each and every week, week you really do break this down by the numbers to find the best edges that you can in these fights. And one fight that we haven't talked about is Cynthia Calvillo against Nina Nunes here. This is a fight that was supposed to happen earlier. It's been backed up uh, and postponed a couple times, and now here we are. What do you make of this matchup here, and who do you think has the advantage when you break it, break it down by the numbers? Yeah, this matchup is interesting, first of all, because you have people that are switching weight classes. You have Calvillo, who has fought at Bantamweight. She's now at Flyweight. You have Nunes, who's been at Strawweight, moving up. Now, they're not hugely different sizes, but that experience, that you know, having Calvillo earn her statistics against much larger people tells me the numbers on that page are believable because she's not fighting the same threat that she was fighting before. So that gives me a little bit of a lean there. Now, we're not accounting for that in the, the quant stuff here, but just straight up, Calvillo has been dominant on the mats. And when you look across this card for the best wrestlers, or at least the most effective wrestlers, the people who have spent time controlling opponents, Calvillo comes out on top. Uh, and that's with Dominic Cruz on the same card. Now, he's right there with her in terms of logging minutes, controlling people with his wrestling. Um, but Calvillo is definitely a grappling threat, and I love to bet on wrestlers. And Nunes does not want to go there. You know, her takedown defense is good, uh, but is it enough to stand up against a few takedowns, maybe against the fence, against someone who's used to lifting bigger opponents? Um, so that's what makes me go with Calvillo here. I know I'm going to have to lay a little juice on that, but that's fine with me. I think she's a bankable favorite. Minus $1.90 right now as it stands here as we get closer and closer to fight day. Another fight that I'm very intrigued because, again, sometimes when you have younger fighters uh, in the UFC, you look at whether or not you have enough data on them. So when I see that one crosses the finish line for you, I get excited when I see Ode Osborne here, minus 250 against Tyson Nam, plus 210 in the comeback. Is there a live dog play here or is the favorite the rightful one? I like the favorite here. I think uh, Osborne is one of several fighters that I'm going to be really watching for the first time because now I'm backing them and I pay a lot more of attention then. Uh, you got to wait for them to have a few fights before I can even look at those numbers. So uh, the, the performance metrics, we'll see if they stick and they are true to what he has done so far. But so far, he has been very aggressive and very accurate He's going to be much, much rangier than his opponent. He's obviously younger, like you said. He's got a, a, a youth advantage over Tyson Nam. Um, but I, I think Osborne here 
is the better striking threat. He's going to be crisper at range. Um, he also has a ground game, believe it or not. So, you know, he's the more likely fighter to want to take this to the ground. Meanwhile, Tyson Nam has racked up minutes. He has yet to actually land a takedown in the UFC. So I don't see that trumping the striking of Osborne. So if this is a fight that's going to be at range, I'm going to go with a young, rangy guy uh, who's very accurate to date and hope that he continues that streak. Let's stay with with a guy I know you have a lot of debt on with the GM3 back in there, Gerald Mearshart against Bruno Silva. Uh, Mearshart right now plus 240 on the comeback here. Would you back the vet in this spot? Yeah, so this is tricky. When I, when these lines came out, I didn't know a lot about Bruno Silva um, and looked at this from a purely quantitative standpoint and believed that Silva was the favorite. But where we are, where the price has gone, this is a value play for me. Do I really think Mearshart gets the upset? You know, from a purely probabilistic standpoint, no. You know, I, I think he has a less than 50% chance of winning. However, I think he has a better than market value chance of winning. So this is a value play. Um, Mearshart is a crafty veteran. Uh, like I mentioned before, he has been one of those fighters who has spent a long time on the mat controlling opponents. And when you do that, you don't take damage. You tend to win that round, usually, if you can string it together for a few minutes. Um, and you've nullified the best weapons of your opponent. Now, Silva, to his credit, has been very accurate. Um, he, you know, the age difference here is marginal. The reach advantage is actually with Mearshart. So, you know, it's kind of a wash on the feet. Um, Mearshart is damaged, though. I will say that. He mm -hmm. has been knocked down more so than he has dished it out. But I'm hoping that the ground game is where this transitions. And if he fights smart, which veterans tend to do, hopefully, um, we might see this go to the ground and it might start to become more of a boring fight. However, I do also think that there's a lot of finishing potential here on both sides. He's, you know, Mearshart could get clipped. He could also find a submission. You know, Reed, let's expand on that a little bit because I think when people hear that, that for you, it becomes a value play. Can you explain that when you look at the numbers and then you see the price tag? Is it that the numbers to you say, ooh, it shouldn't, it's so mispriced that then, then becomes a play that you could back the dog on? Yeah, it doesn't have to be <clears throat> so mispriced. Um, you know, sometimes you get a rare occasion where the expected probability of an underdog is greater than 50%. Okay. Then it becomes obvious. In this case, we have a guy who is uh, a long shot and we think he shouldn't be a long shot. It's a coin flip. That's a, a really good way of looking at it here. So when you see that uh, price tag there and you have it closer to a coin flip, that's where it becomes the value play here on uh, GM3 here at plus 240 as we sit a day before we get to the fight card. Uh, I think right now uh, on the panel, if you will, here on First Strike, it feels a little bit split on what we might see from Priscilla uh, Cachueta against uh, Ariana Lipsky here, the Queen of Violence against Zombie, Zombie Girl. What are the numbers showing you? This is a fight, that, again, was supposed to happen a week ago. It gets backed up to this week after Lipsky missed weight, uh, but now she's being installed as almost even a bigger favorite at minus $1.90. What are the numbers showing you? Yeah, I liked Lipsy here. There were some red flags, obviously, when she missed weight, and then the fight got canceled. I, I don't know what's going on with the whole medical clearance thing, but simply on paper, um, she seemed like the more bankable favorite here. She's younger. She's bigger. She fights very aggressively versus Cachoeira, who is a little bit more hesitant. She allows opponents to lead the dance, um, and that's usually not a good thing in terms of winning that round. And so for Lipsky, who is aggressive and is active uh, and is dangerous with her hands, she has three knockdowns already um, fighting a much older opponent. Those are all nice ingredients uh, for a bankable favorite. And then, you know, on the ground, she has been more effective there. Cachoeira has simply not controlled opponents. I mean, she's been in 
She's been controlled 95% of the time, which is to say she has almost never been in control herself. So that is a lot of advantages all lining up for the favorite. Um, so I still think there's a bit of value on Lipsky here. Again, not accounting for what might be going on outside the cage. I'm just looking at this from a purely numeric point of view. Absolutely. So again, if you think the fight could go the distance, if Lipsky can control it, uh, that's minus 150 for Lipsky to win by decision plus $1.40. Let's get to that main event here. Dominic Cruz, boy, do you have data on the Dominator. And certainly you have a lot on Cheeto Vera at this stage as well. You know, I, I always wonder how much a guy has left in the tank. What are the numbers showing you? Is this a live dog for Dominic Cruz? Yeah, this is another situation where uh, you almost never see me betting on a much older fighter, and we do have a significant age gap here. But then again, you also normally hear me favoring for the wrestler, and Cruz is a wrestler first. Uh, his kind of high-volume um, point striking on the feet has never really impressed me. I think the fact that he fights very smart has impressed me. He definitely has that fight IQ, uh, what you would expect of someone who is also an analyst and watching other fighters. Uh, from cage side. So from the numbers, man, look at the, the most important thing, share of time in control on the ground, 94% for Cruz, 33% for Vera. So when Vera is on the ground, more often than not, other people are controlling him. And so he is susceptible to wrestling. And Cruz, on the other hand, has been very effective at wielding wrestling on the mat. So yes, there are submissions from Vera, but wrestling is kind of that you know, that universal card that you play against a submission ace, you know, you, you apply a lot of top pressure and you fight conservative and smart and Cruz is that kind of guy. So uh, there is risk here. Cruz has been dropped four times. He's 37 years old. Those are definitely red flags. He has a history of being evasive though. His head strike defense is very good. You wonder if time is going to catch up with him though. People are going to start to time him eventually. There is risk here. But again, like you said before, where's value when someone is a steep underdog and I see it as more of a coin flip, that's where I believe value is. And you will win those bets and you get bigger payouts. You're also going to lose a few of them. But the overall return, I think, is going to be positive. You know, Rita, I, I do get excited sometimes when I look at a uh, fight in a particular way and I kind of see it the same way. At least your numbers uh, would tell you. Do you lean to the over? I know it's juiced heavily here, minus $1.80, because I kind of like the over four and a half here, thinking that if Dom can get that control time, he probably isn't going to get a finish in Marlon Vera, but might be able to ride out a, a fight that goes the distance. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think he is a game vet. And, you know, barring one of those finishes like we saw with Frankie Edgar and, and Vera, you know, the, like a front kick knockout, you're not going to survive that. If you get hit with one of them, you're going to be dropped. Um, Cruz might take damage, he might get beat up. He's been dropped in the past and still finished the fight. So I think he is he's fairly tough and resilient and he's highly motivated. I'm going to go the over here. I'm going to maybe use the over 2.5 in parlays. Um, I might even take a sprinkle on the go to decision. Ooh, I like that. Minus 190 think the fight goes to the decision. Uh, minus 180 for four and a half rounds. Reed, always appreciate the time and the information, my friend. Again, follow him on Twitter at Fightnomics. I want to thank Reed, uh, Kevin Ioli, Jordan Sherwood, and Lou Carroll. Enjoy the fights, everybody. We'll see you next week back here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.